If you and I are convinced, and I suspect everyone here this morning is, that God is the creator of this universe, and in addition to that, that he cares about us, that he didn't just create and leave things alone, but he created us in his image, and he cares about what we're doing and what is involved in our lives, to the degree that he sent his only begotten son, then here's something that is difficult to understand, particularly for folks who don't believe in God at all. I know because I've had any number of conversations with folks like that. They would say to me, one thing they don't understand is someone who claims to believe in God and that that this book is the Word of God. How such a person cannot live in accord with what he believes. And I would say to all of us, one of the greatest damages we can do to the cause of God the Creator and of Jesus Christ His Son is when we are not, to the depths of our being, completely and utterly committed to His cause. So I call upon all of us to be challenged today about our commitment to the cause of Jesus Christ. So with that introduction... The topic for this hour is we must broaden our vision. I base it on Matthew chapter 13, if you'd like to open your Bibles with me. In the 13th chapter, we find a chapter of parables. And again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the parable this morning. It begins in verse 24 and goes through verse 30. And this is one of the parables that Jesus chooses to explain to us. I want to go down to the explanation which begins in verse 37, Matthew 13. Then he answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Well, I see I don't have that slide here, right? Matthew 13. He that sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. In the parable, Jesus talked about a man who went out to sow seed in his field. And he said he went out and sowed the seed, and then somebody came and sowed weeds in the midst of the seed. Then he went on to tell the story of how he would leave those growing together until the very end, and then they would be separated, the weeds would be taken off and burned, and the seeds of the kingdom would be glorified and taken to be with God. The point I want to make to us today is what Jesus said in verse 38 when he said what each of these parts meant. He said the field into which the sower was sowing the seed is the world. The field, ladies and gentlemen, is the world, is what Jesus said. So where he intends for the seed to be spread is in the world, not in just one piece of the world, but all of it. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 28, and we'll not turn to that one because you're Bible students and you know that passage, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth, Jesus said. Go therefore and teach or make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It is clear from those two passages that our God looks upon the world as the field. And so there it is. And I've looked up as recently as last week, in our world as we have it divided up today, wonder how many nations there are. Well, according to the latest count that I was able to calculate, 195 countries and 63 colonies or territories. So if you add those two together, that's 258, let's just say, 258 nations. And in those 258 nations scattered all over this world, there are a little over 6.8 billion people as of last week. Now, you know that's an estimate. That's not too far off from what I understand. And I say to you, and I'll speak to myself, and the reason for many years now that I preach this lesson at every meeting is because I need it. And so if it helps you as well, then praise be to God. But I will tell you for myself, my world is too small. I have an idea yours is too. If we're going to think the way God thinks about this world, we must broaden our vision. We must think of the world as the field, not Franklin, Tennessee. Nothing wrong with Franklin, Tennessee, except when it rains really hard. But it's not the world. And Jesus said the field is the world. Again, I wish I could take about five minutes and explain to you one of the things that impacted my life so dramatically about 20 years ago. It had to do with a man and his wife who came to live with us. The reason they came to live with us is because they didn't have a place to stay. And the reason they didn't have a place to stay is they were summarily required to leave the country where they went to preach the gospel. You see, they were inside communist China at that time. As far as I know, among our brethren, some of the first ones to get in there in recent times. They got in there because the wife was teaching school for a government entity. And the husband went along and preached the gospel. Well, he got caught. And while they intended to stay there for several years, they were deported with their three children but folks, before they left the United States, they sold their house. And they had no place to go. So Jeff and Anna Kingry came to Tampa, Florida, and Marilyn and I and our four children invited them and their three children into our house. One of the best things we ever did. And they lived with us for several months while they arranged for a new life. I can tell you there wasn't a day that passed that Jeff Kingry wasn't on my case. Jeff Kingry was a cantankerous character. Some of you knew him. He upset a lot of folks. He upset me. But I'll tell you one thing he did for me. He made me start broadening my vision. He said, Brother Payne, you are needed in other parts of the world. 
I said, I got a big job here. I got three big jobs here. I've got plenty to do. I've got a big family. He said, you're needed in other places. Open your eyes. And he would bring out a list for me of all the folks he had contacted across Eastern Europe as he came back from China. He said, somebody needs to go over there and make contact with those folks. And on and on. I want to read you a section of an article he wrote that touches me every time I read it. Our world is only as big as we allow it to be. To some, it will never be any larger than themselves. Others might include people they know and care about. A few might include a whole state or even a nation. But Jesus said, the field is the world. And God so loved the world. When Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, He calls us to look up from our lives to see the limitless world that stretches in all directions about us. What God has planned for us is bigger than the Himalayan mountains, deeper than the dark depths of the Pacific Ocean, higher than the stars on a cold Canadian night, and broader than the Mongolian steppes, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height which passes beyond our comprehension. You see, God's horizons are uncluttered and untouched by man's selfishness and prejudice. They are refreshing and beautiful and awe-inspiring. Things keep us from enjoying the view. Blindness keeps us from seeing what is there. We need to broaden and enlarge our vision to include all that God has promised us in His fullness. It is only when we draw near to God that we rise from the polluted valleys of our own selfishness and the grubby streets of indifference to the sharp, clear air of Mount Zion that our gaze might include the perspective of God Himself. The man can write. And what he says is right on. So I say for me and for my house, we need to broaden our vision. So do you, beloved. And if I accomplish nothing else in this hour than to help us think broader than we think right now, it will have been a worthwhile time. You see, the 258 nations, I have this dream that every congregation of God's people adopt a nation Let me give you some statistics. It is the case right now, as I told you, there's some 6.8 billion people on earth. In this little piece of it right here, the United States of America, there are some 308 million people. That's 4.5% of the world's population in this little piece. And if you look up the statistics on the number of churches of Christ in the world, my numbers here are a little dated, so don't hold me to them precisely, but they're close. There are some 13,000 congregations of Christians, New Testament Christians, and that's all flavors, by the way, baptized believers in this one country. 
They're about that same number in the rest of the world. Seems like a little unbalanced there. In addition to that, of those congregations in our country, the average size is 50 people. The average size in the rest of the world is less than 10 per congregation. So what that says to us, ladies and gentlemen, is most of the New Testament Christians on earth are right here in this little place. And 95% of the population is elsewhere. There's something wrong with that picture. And I ask you, beloved, to broaden your vision as I'm asking myself. Now I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And by the way, I want to say to you that I'm really talking to individual Christians today. I suspect this congregation supports evangelists in other places. I haven't even looked into that, but I suspect you do. And thank God for that. And I'm glad you have such vision. I want to talk to you individually today. As one Christian who needs to broaden his vision. Second Corinthians, the 8th chapter, the discussion has to do with benevolence. So you might say, well, preacher, why are you using that passage today? Because we're talking at this hour about evangelism. I'm using it because the principle is the same. So begin with me in verse 12. For if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be an equality, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, he who gathered little had no lack. What the apostle is saying to the brethren at Corinth and the Macedonians and others in that part of the world is at this point in time you have more than the folks in Judea, so share with them. And God's going to judge us based on what we have, not what we don't have. That's the principle. Wouldn't that apply to evangelism as well? So we'll be judged according to what we have. And may I suggest that at this time, you and I in the United States of America have greater abundance than most people on earth. Not only physically and in terms of opportunity, but also spiritually. So think of what we have. I've just jotted a few things down here. We have thousands of highly trained and fully qualified men, young and old, men and women. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2, the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit to other people who shall be able to teach other people also, men and women. We have hundreds of thousands of devoted Christians who are fully capable of giving support and encouragement to the teachers. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars in church treasuries, millions of dollars in pocketbooks and bank accounts of God's faithful people, loyal disciples who will gladly give and support and help others. We have facilities 
ladies and gentlemen, beyond man's imagination less than two generations ago. I was standing with our young man David Lowe at Florida College yesterday. He handles the techie stuff and the sound system. He had this flat piece of thing. They call it an iPad. And he was moving that thing around, clicking everywhere. The guy can control our whole campus. He told me yesterday that he can take that iPad and from anywhere on earth he can turn the lights on in Hutchinson Auditorium. I said, I don't like that. That means somebody else can do that if they get the right codes. The point I'm making to you, ladies and gentlemen, is we have at our fingertips untold opportunities to share the Lord. And I think one day God's going to say to us, look what I laid out in front of you, you citizens of the United States. And what did you do with it? One of the blessings that you and I have is we were, we were born and raised to speak a language that everybody on earth wants to speak. Except the French, I guess. I've been in 28 countries myself. And I've yet to be in one where lots of people didn't want to speak English or already did speak English. And we've learned it from childhood. You see, we're going to be judged by what we have. And I'm telling you, if you speak English, you can get by most places on earth. So, what can I do? And I'm not doing this lesson just to make folks feel guilty. That's not what the purpose is. The purpose is to challenge me and you to broaden our vision. I don't believe there's a single one of us that can't make our vision broader than it is individually. And what my goal is for the next few minutes is I want to inundate you with ideas. I want to challenge you with possibilities so that by the time we finish, not a single Christian in this auditorium can leave this assembly and say, there isn't something I can do beyond what I'm already doing. That's my prayer. I prayed that fervently this morning. I hope it will not be an occasion, beloved, where you walk out and say, well, now that was an interesting lesson, had much nice visuals, and he did a good job presenting his material. And then go on and do the same thing you've been doing. I hope you can't live with yourself and do that. And the same for me. So, what can I do? And please understand, in the little tiny bit of time I have, we will not have touched the veritable hem of the garment. Because the only restriction on this, first of all, are the principles of God's Word, and then your imagination and creativity about how you can use what God's laid out in front of us. It's amazing. I think you have two options. Christian, you can stay in Franklin, Tennessee and broaden your vision. Not everybody has to go somewhere else. 
You're needed right here also. The other option is to go somewhere else and get involved. I don't believe there are any other options. You either stay home and get involved, or you go somewhere else and get involved. And I'd like to talk about both. Watching the time all the while. So what about staying at home and getting involved? Well, I'm going to put these two together. Every Christian in this audience can be involved in praying for evangelists who are in other places. And by the way, for the ones here also. Everybody can do that. I'm asking you to go a step further than that. Not just pray for them in some generic fashion, that Lord, please bless everybody that's preaching the gospel in the various places around the world, especially those who are in difficult places. That's a fine prayer, and I don't, I don't denigrate it at all. But Christian, we can do better than that. There, in fact, is no reason that every single Christian in this audience has not adopted a particular evangelist, or maybe two or three, somewhere else on earth. And the reason there is no excuse for that is because the means by which that can happen is so easy. So I want to first recommend to you, Christian, if you're not already doing it, and maybe you are, is you start getting reports from folks. Here's the March 3rd, 2009 report from Denny Allen from Brazil. I get Denny Allen's report every month. In fact, he writes sometimes twice a month. And one of the reasons I get about 50 of these every month is because every time I get one, I want to read it. I want to see what's going on. And it fills me up again. I want to be inspired to get busier myself. So if you do nothing else, get you a, a report from an evangelist somewhere else on earth and have him send it to your email. It's instantaneous. It still amazes me that Denny Allen can sit in Sao Paulo, Brazil, punch a few buttons on the computer and click, and boom, it's in my office. <clears throat> Some of us are old enough to remember you couldn't do that. That's impossible. But you can now. And most reports I get are by email. They're not by regular mail. Everybody in this audience can receive a report from somebody. Why not? And if you received this report, here's something you would have read. <clears throat> we currently maintain a mailing list for bulletins and other printed publications of about 8,000 names. And the website gets about that many visits every day. Okay, you know I'm a math teacher, so I have to throw in a little math. Let's multiply 8,000 times 365. Would you do that in your head real quick, please? I'm waiting. This is a class, so you can answer out loud. That's a little too challenging. Yeah, it's 3,650,000. Did you hear that? Their website is getting 3,650,000 visits a year. 
Our CD of Bible studies, all the content of the website currently is about 1,500 articles, some books, full outlines of Bible books, and over 450 audio messages, is now in its sixth edition. We've distributed over 2,500 CDs so far and offer the same material as download via the Internet. Last time I checked, something close to 30,000 people have downloaded the CD package off their website. Now, here's the interesting story about that. The website's in Portuguese. That's what they speak in Brazil. Yes. Well, I, let me say it another way. It was about five years ago, if my memory's correct. They had no website. Guess who designed the website in Portuguese? An American. His name's Carl Henneke. He helped them set that thing up. Some of you know him, I'm sure. So here's a person in America that helped design a Portuguese website in Brazil, which is now producing hundreds of thousands and millions of contacts in that country. You ask me to design a website, you're going to wait a long time. But you young folks in this audience, some of you in high school and junior high school are learning how to design websites. You know how many churches of our Lord around this world don't have a website? Brazil does, because somebody in America took it upon himself to get that job done. I want to throw ideas at you, beloved. Adopt an evangelist in his family. Oh, I would wish that every family in this congregation adopted a family that also has children if you have children at home and connect your children up with those children in that other part of the world as you stay right here in Franklin and broaden your vision. I'll tell you what will happen to you. You'll begin getting connected with the world from right here. It's infinitely easier than it was 50 years ago. And God has just said, here it is, beloved. I'll tell you what else will happen. Your family's going to get excited about being connected with somewhere else on earth. And things are going to start to bubble up in your mind about what you can do as a family to help the world. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every day, every member of this church in your quiet time with God, is saying something like this. Dear God, would you please put your arm of love around Marion and Gabby Otbos and their three children and then name their children and say, Lord, I know that this last week they had some special challenges and talk about those challenges to God because you've been reading their reports. And then lift them up before God. And by name. Because you know what that'll do to you. God already knows all that. It'll change you. Support evangelistic efforts personally. I want to tell you about an incredible opportunity right now, today. 
It was not that long ago that Brother Ed Harold did a debate in India. Some of you may have heard about it. It's now out in DVD if you want to see the debate. It was a debate with one of our institutional brethren on the question of church control of works in other parts of the world. And this unauthorized organizational structure that some of our brethren have put in place. Where an eldership from the United States controls a whole bunch of churches in India. And I can tell you the result of that debate was that hundreds and hundreds of local preachers in India had their eyes opened. And a number of them are no longer willing to associate themselves with those brethren, and thus they've lost their support. And Brother Harold tells me it's easy to support an evangelist in India for $50 a month. And there are lots of them needing support right now. May I suggest something to you? Don't you dare just start sending money over there. You get a hold of the brethren that have been there. You make certain that whoever you're going to help support is faithful and true and deserving of the support. And then you get reports. And I'll tell you what else you ought to do. One of these days, if God wills, if you personally are supporting a person in India, maybe one day... You could join Ed Harrell or some of the other brethren that go over there and go on a journey and go visit them yourself. My, my. I'll say it now lest I forget to say it later. I remember a family coming to us in Romania when we lived there for two years. It was a mom and dad and three children. They rode ahead because they were getting our reports and they said, We've gotten so enchanted with the work over there, we want to be more involved. And this year, Brother Payne, we have decided that instead of going to Disney World and spending $1,000, $2,000 on our family to ride rides and have fun, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Come all you can. Florida needs it. <laughs> I'm not denigrating getting out and having fun with your family. But this family said this year, we're not going there. We're coming to Romania. We're going to rent our own place. We're going to spend a week there. And what we would like, Brother Payne, is for you fellows over there to tell us what we can do to help the work. We want to spend our week doing whatever you need us to do. And may I say to you, it was wonderful. They cooked food. They cleaned up people's places. They got out in the streets with us and handed out material. They were with us in our worship services. It was a wonderful week. And that family has told me since. Brother Payne, our children to this day tell us that was the best vacation they ever had in their whole life because the entire thing was given to God. I'm wanting to throw so many ideas at you, there can't be one that misses you. And all you need to do is think even more creatively. How can I help? You can take on the personal evangelistic support of somebody. We have lots of brethren now that are going to Ethiopia. Did you know that? There are thousands upon thousands of New Testament Christians over there. And a number of them are preaching the gospel and they ride their bicycle from village to village. Those fellows can be supported for less than India, the folks in India. The chances are unlimited. 
So, where do I get my ideas? This is where I needed to stay up here. Now, I'm going to try this. You see this website? www.evangelismupdate.com Let's see if I can do this. We're going to go to the website. Uh, let's see. I need to go over. That's it, isn't it? Next one. Is that amazing or what? <laughs> Two fingers, and you're at the website. Now, that website needs to be moved down or up a little bit. Let's see if I can get over here and do that. So you can see the top of it. There it is, Evangelism Update. Can you see all those buttons around the world? All these different places? That means that in this report, on this website, there are reports from people in all those different places. So you want the name of somebody? You want a family to connect up with? You want somebody you can start today getting their reports? Here's a bunch of them right here. And I'll tell you what will happen to you. If you start down the road with one of them, you'll end up with 10 or 15 real soon if you want it. <clears throat> it's unlimited, folks. There are plenty out there to service this whole congregation and all the congregations in this country. Either Americans or non-Americans. And many of them speak English. Many of them are on the Internet and can do email. Let's go down here a little bit. Let's just pick one. Um, can't see without my glasses. Um, let's see. Some of these are dated. You're going to find out that some of these folks have left. They're not keeping this thing up to date, you know, like they should, but they've got lots of other things to do. By the way, guess who started an evangelism update? One Christian in the United States of America who said, we need some way of gathering information. So there's a report from uh, Les and Linda Maydell from South Africa. You want to be touched in your heart every time you read it? You get Les and Linda's report. Amazing. Maybe some of you already get that. All right, that's just an example. And see, there's just a list of them here of people. If you want, you can get their report. So let's see if I can get back here now. That's it, isn't it? And we're back to the PowerPoint. Now, for a guy my age to be able to do that is a minor miracle. If I can do it, oldsters in this audience, you can do it. We can get better at this. You know, I have older people tell me, I don't have any interest in that computer. I don't want to learn it. It's not part of my generation. May I ask you something? Do you want to be more effective at spreading God's Word from Franklin without ever having to leave your house? Does that motivate you to learn something about it? It does me. We can send correspondence courses or study via the Internet. Did you know that? Here's another website. And by the way, guess who designed this website? One person. His name is Alan McNabb. He preaches at South Livingston in Tampa. Why did he design this? So that everybody on earth has access to material to study the Bible with people at a click of a button. You don't have to make up the materials, folks.
They're already there. So let's try to go to this one. That one in there. There's the website, BibleStudyGuide.org. And there's a picture of Alan McNabb. Lost all his hair, but he's still preaching the gospel. And see what he's got over here? You probably can't read it from there. New videos and video podcasts, favorite internet radio channels, read the Bible in a year, right here, audio Bible lessons and Bible study online, new Bible study. He's got so much material on that website, you could spend the next three days just doing nothing but looking at it. And here's what you can do. If you hook up with somebody in Nigeria, let's say, who wants to study the Bible, and by the way, Nigerians, most of them speak English. And you connect up with somebody in Nigeria and they want to study the Bible, you can go to Alan McNabb's website. You can pick whatever lessons you like, or if you want, make up your own. And you can connect up with those folks and study the Bible with them. There was one congregation a few years ago I was told about by the evangelist there that he started studying with Nigerians, and before a year was out, everybody in that church who desired to participate, and it was most of them, was studying the Bible with somebody in Nigeria. And I ask you, is there any reason this church cannot adapt, adopt one country and decide we're getting the gospel of that country? Do you know most countries on earth don't have any churches? And if you, I think I have another, oops, I've got to get rid of this first. All right, let me get out of this. And I think my next slide is a picture of the map again. Yes. Good. Let me take my pointer. If you took your pointer and did this and pointed to someplace right there, there's no church there. If you did it like this, there's no church there. Mostly, like right up there in, in North America, there's no church there. Most places you would end up with your pointer. There's no church of the Lord there. The opportunity is infinite. So I ask you, Church of Franklin, what if you adopted Togo? First of all, could you even find it? Togo. The reason I say that is because last year in Tampa, Florida, I was privileged to baptize in my swimming pool two Togoese. They live in Tampa now. I don't know of a church of our Lord associated with our brethren in Togo. Maybe there is one. I don't know about it. It would be a great place to begin, and I can put you in touch with Kelsey Adobe. And by the way, they speak Ebe. E-W-E is one of their many languages in that country. Don't tell me that's a bell. It is a bell. Isn't it? Oh. Can I have five more minutes? Oh, thank you. You know where Seychelles is? Seychelles. It's a nation. It's an island nation. It's right about in here. 
There's a young man named Jimmy Petrus over there now who's a former student at our school preaching the gospel. And he was preceded by Robert Smith and his wife who picked Seychelles of all places on earth. They went from Germany to Seychelles. French is the native language in Seychelles. But they decided there are many churches there, so we're going there. And now there's a good group there, a good foundation, and a native is preaching. Why can't this church adopt a country? And if every church did that, there's only 258 of them. There's over 2,200 churches associated with non-institutional brethren in this country. We could cover 258 nations with ease. Help evangelistic efforts here, of course. Lots of stories to be told about that. Learn a foreign language. Young people in this audience, listen to me, please. You don't learn Spanish just to be learning Spanish. You learn it for the Lord's sake. It's the second most spoken language on earth. No telling what God will do with you. And learn it while you're young, because it sticks. I spent two years from my age, 48 to 50, in Romania trying to beat my brains out learning Romanian. The grammar is horrendous. And every time I'd learn something, it'd last about an hour, and then I'd forget it. Young people remember it. My son, who was in junior high school, never took the first lesson and was translating around the Lord's Supper before we left. Made me sick. No, it made me very pleased. Learn a language, young people, for the Lord's sake. You see, I'm convinced the Lord's going to say to us one day, I'm not going to judge you based on what you don't have, but what you do have. And look what I placed in front of you. Will you broaden your vision? The field is the world. 